Hallelujah. Please open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. On the 16th of July, I endeavored to start a message on enemies of intimacy and revelation. And the whole message went along Acts chapter 2. And what does the church look like? What did the early church look like? Pastor Tim ministered on the 23rd, the requisite of the church. And last week, of course, activating the gifts. I don't know about you, but I am still stoked. I listened to the message again yesterday from last week. And so encouraged, so stirred. Amen. If you need stirring, you know, David, one of the qualities David had that even when his own men wanted to take his life, his own posse. Because at Ziklag, the enemy had come and taken the, their families and their children and their stuff. And they figured that David was out of sync, had missed it, and had them away from protecting their families. So they wanted to take his life. They were so angry and distraught. The Bible says that David set himself apart and encouraged himself in the Lord. He had done that several times in his history. And we need to mature to the place where that if we're alone, and it seems like we're all alone, and that's one of the beauties of being in the body of Christ. We're not called to be alone, but there are times where it seems like we are, but we know what to do when we're feeling all by ourselves. Amen. Now, listen, when I say that, that is not an excuse for Proverbs 18.1. Proverbs 18.1 says a man or woman who isolate themselves seek their own desire, and wage against all wise judgment. We're not called to be independent. We are called to be interdependent. Amen. Cut off your hand from the body, and what does your hand do? Huh? Come on, everybody, say it at me. Preach at me. Hallelujah. So everyone in here is valuable to the kingdom, you are ordained of God to be a part of his body. Hallelujah. A living, active cell. If the word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, then every cell in the word, the body, the, in Christ, is living and active. And you are sharper than any two-edged sword. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? I'll tell you what, when Pastor Tim was preaching that last week, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Hallelujah. He wasn't talking about a little dabble, do you? Brill cream anointing. He was talking about the power of God to say what God wants you to say. The power of God to do what God wants you to do. Not, Not just what's you to do, to do what God wants you to do. To say what God wants you to say. When it needs to be said. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There are people around us every day who need to hear God. And most, listen, there's a, I don't know what the percentages are, but there's probably a plethora. A lot of Christians who have yet learned how to hear Holy Spirit's voice. Boy, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Come on, guys. Say, I am called. I am anointed. Hallelujah. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. 
I chose you. Glory to God. <laughs> Jesus chose Ray Shannon. Woo! Glory to God, senior. <laughs> and junior. But he called me. He chose me. Amen. And appointed me. He not only chose us, he appointed you to bear fruit for the, for the glory of God Almighty. Hallelujah. Don't be a barren Christian. Let's make a choice, a decision. I am going to be fruitful and multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion in this earth through the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is fruitful, bless God. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. Because my God wants me to be it. Me and God's a majority. Wherever two or more agree on anything, I touch on it. Listen, God's already said it. He just wants you and, he to, you and I to say amen. amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, in Acts chapter 2, 42, let me get there with you. Now, this, this is pertinent to enemies of uh, intimacy and revelation. Carol and I, well, and I've, been, I've had this, been reflecting on this now for a good month. But this morning, we were just talking outside. And as Carol was reading, we were doing, I was going over the notes and praying over it. And Carol was reading. We're outside and just sharing. And God began to give her some things that, uh, and if it doesn't come forth today, it'll come forth next week. It was so good about the blind man. And the, and the Lord ministered about it through the prophecy. But let's look at Acts chapter 2. Verse 40, we'll start with. And with many other words, this is speaking about Peter. He testified, exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, who is he speaking to here? He's speaking to God's people. He's not talking to the sinner folk. They have all gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. He is speaking to the church. If I could say it that way. Church, be saved from this perverse generation. Now, if it was perverse then. How many believe the Bible this morning? If you don't, you wouldn't be here. But we, we need to educate ourselves in the scripture. The Bible says, and Jesus said, the word of God says that in the last days before the coming of the Lord, that beings were going to come out of the abyss that were so wicked, so unclean, so demonic to attack society. And how do they do it? Through media, through cultures, amen, through thoughts. The war is in the soul realm, the will, intellect, and emotion. But the battles you and I are called to fight daily are in the mind. That's why the Bible says, renew your mind with the word of God. That you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God doesn't want you and I to, be, to lose. He didn't say we wouldn't have trouble. He didn't say good, some bad things may cross our path or face us. But he said we can have victory every, over every situation and circumstance. How? By getting the word in our heart and in our mouth. In the name of Jesus. No. Amen. Don't roll over and play dead. 
When the enemy looks at you, he needs to see a warrior. Listen, one of the one of the captains of David's army, guys, the Bible says he killed 800 and I think it was 65 enemy by himself. 865 men he slew. The Bible says the his sword by the anointing. <laughs> wow, it was like welded to his hand. Listen, he's not fighting children and women. He's fighting warriors of the enemy. Are you listening to me? That this guy is a bad motor scooter under the anointing of God. Yeah, and it's not a limbo line. The enemy's not in a line. There's a battle going on. My man is wielding that sword. I mean, he just like, my God. The Bible says about Saul, when Saul was anointed to be king, that all of a sudden, when the anointing came on him, he became another man. Began to prophesy. He was out of himself and in him. Or actually, him was on him at that point. Amen? Well, be saved from this perverse generation. It's another place of prayer and the importance of us praying together. Praying for the church. If Jesus and the Bible says that more unclean spirits and wicked spirits are coming out of the abyss to begin to seek, to seek, Whom they may kill, steal, kill, and destroy. You and I have been given an assignment from God Almighty. And it's to be responsible. To mature in the things of God. And not be be content being staying in first grade in the kingdom. You and I need to go from glory to glory. First grade to second grade to third grade. To fourth grade to fifth grade to sixth grade to seventh. Right through high school and into college. Hallelujah. And you know what? Shoot for the PhD. Bless God in the spirit. But never be satisfied. Don't camp out in your Christianity. You and I need to get the eye of the tiger as it were. When I go into the ring. There's only one person coming out. And it's me. Because me and God are a majority. Hallelujah. There's that Holy Ghost stuff. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. And like we saw in that clip in Uganda, 1,400 students accepted Christ and were baptized. And they continued. Now, again, I shared this a couple weeks ago on the 16th. The Holy Spirit told me this about the, cha- the verse we're about to read. And let's read the verse first. As I was reading and studying this, and many congregations globally teach church life based on these scriptures. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching. Fellowship. Hanging out with each other in the breaking of bread and, and in prayer. And then this is what 
begins to manifest as we're diligent and consistent in our Christianity. Then fear came upon every soul, reverential awe. My God. When we're fellowshipping. Wow, I had the chance to share Jesus today. I was, I was in the marketplace. I was at work. Boom, 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 boom. And the Holy Spirit put this on my heart to share with somebody. And boom. And all of a sudden, I saw somebody. And I could, the Holy Spirit drew me to this individual. And I just, it just began to reach out to him. I really sense that you're really going through a struggle. It can be that simple. Introductions of the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, you're, you're, you know, and you need to be careful and use your head for more than a hat rack. If it's a, if it's a person of the opposite sex, you've got to be, wisdom has got to be in a public place. Amen. Amen. You use discretion, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't give it to you unless it was a thing that was needed. And you do it with honesty, you do it with integrity, but you step out in faith. You remember Todd White? Do you remember the Todd White story? I mean, who would look at Todd White and want him to be, want to be ministered to by him? I mean, if you look at the natural, hey, man, who's this dude that looks like he's been in the sun forever? And he's got these dreadlocks. I hope he washes his hair. You know, your mind starts going to a lot of different things. How can this dude, I and mean, he comes up, what's he do? He just ministers the love of God to people. He's compelled. Can I pray for you? Is there anything you need from God? He, he, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have phylacteries on. He don't look liturgical. He look, he don't even look normal. <laughs> but he but he's he reaches a certain culture. But his love, the love of Christ in Todd goes out to anybody and everybody. Freely. With no bounds. Doesn't put any boundaries on God. He expects the gifts of the Spirit. What the Pastor Tim teach last week? Activate the gifts in your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, desire earnestly, covet the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation in your life. How much time do you personally, and me, how much time do we actually give to that meditated thought, to that door to be used of God? Everyone in here is called to be used of God in the gifts of the Spirit. And if you, if maybe you haven't known, maybe you just think that's just for the fivefold ministry. It's for the pulpit. It's for the platform. No, it's for the kingdom. It's for the body of Christ. These signs will follow those who believe. Jesus said. Listen, God, the spirit of God will not condemn anybody in here. But I'll tell you what, he'll give you a kick in the butt if you need it. And that's through conviction. It's like, hey, knock it off. Stop your lame excuses and get about my father's business. You are not your own. I bought you with a price. You were a slave to sin. You had a choice to make. Stay a slave to sin or become a bond slave of Christ. You weren't set free from sin to be your own independent agent. You were saved to be a son of God. Who is not a democracy. That he's a king. Glory to God our father. He sits on a throne and he rules. And he's got order. (laughs) Glory to God. 
When daddy speaks, I'll tell you what, creation obeys. Things come into being that were not existing before. It's still happening. I love it. Do you ever treat yourself? Google search like galaxies and just start looking. The galaxies, the beauty of the... Are you kidding me? Boom, the world says, by faith we know the worlds were the cosmos framed out by the word of his power. That's our daddy. Then he saves you and me. And by the seed of Christ planted in us. That same DNA that's in him. He imputes in us. Hallelujah. To what? Rule and reign in life. God is not asking you to. Listen, he's not asking you and I to create galaxies, but we're in on it because we're in him. And the galaxies are still being framed now. It's kind of like buying a timeshare. Amen. And having no maintenance fees, just buy in. Hallelujah. But Jesus paid the price for us to get part of the, all the benefits of being a king's kid. Well, glory. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is what happened then at this time. Of course, they're under, uh, as this was unfolding, the way, the way, it wasn't Christianity. They were called Christians at Antioch, and it was a mock name. You Christians. Christians. It was a mock. But the people began to say, oh, they're of the way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so the followers of Christ were first called the way. Come on. Hallelujah. Ah, They began to sell their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now that was the culture and the custom at that time. They met daily. It's like in Mexico. If you're down in Brazil or in Mexico uh, and you work, there's a siesta they take. That's part of, the, part of the time frame of your employment. You take a siesta during the hottest part of the day because they don't want you to dehydrate and get sick. You take a power nap. Eat, take a nap. Glory to God. It's not a bad idea, is it? Huh? <laughs> and the employees in the house said, what? Not on our watch. <laughs> Work them, bless God. But then they still put in their hours, amen? <laughs> the glory to God. So they gathered. This was custom. They met at the temple every day. They heard the word of God on a daily basis. On a daily basis. This was their culture. What was that? That was an insurance policy God built into his kingdom. You fellowship, you assemble, you worship, you hear the word. Then you go out and live it. Amen? It's still still the same pattern. We're to fellowship. We're to worship together with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, I, I, Dr. Jeff Thompson, remember Dr. Jeff that was here a few years ago? And we need to get him back in here. But he's a 
Pentecostal charismatic theologian, which is a rare species. A year and a half ago, was <clears throat> recently he said that he had attended a Baptist church, and this was on a Facebook post. And he said this: He said, "I was so blessed the other last week because I forget what he went there for, but it was more like a Baptistcostal church, you know." Baptocostals is a Baptist church that really is open to the move of the Spirit. But he said, when I went to this Baptist church, the participation of the congregation in praise and worship blessed me. They were so involved, so engaged, so desirous, so in, you know, active, actively praising their God because of what he had done for them. And, and, and yeah, in the preaching. I, there was a, a minister in Blackwood, a Baptist pastor in Blackwood. We were all involved in the ministerium. And, uh, and uh, on Martin Luther King Day in the t- Gloucester Township, they invite all the pastors in the township to come. So we went there to pay our respects and to, be, to unite our congregations together. And Pastor Dave, who was hosting it, <clears throat> he comes out to the pulpit and the mayor's there and the government and the church and all this stuff, church folk from different con- congregations. He comes out, and I notice his tie, and his tie has flames of fire on it. And I look, now, I just, I don't know if anybody else really caught that, but I'm looking, I'm thinking, whoa, my man's got a tie with flames of fire. And I'm telling you what, when he began to minister the word of God, I saw the anointing come on him, and it was like he just turned into a different man and preached his heart out. And I thought, my God, Look at this. He ain't even a tongue talker yet. But he everything but. And I told him afterwards, I said, I said, the only thing you ain't doing yet is praying in tongues. I said, you are Baptocostal. You are just right there. And he said, oh, listen, he said, I'm open anymore to anything God wants to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. But let me... <clears throat> Locally, yeah. From yeah, tell them. Oh yeah, well, the particular uh, group or sect of Baptist uh, Missionary Alliance that he was of, you didn't even inter, you didn't even communicate or get, interact with the charismatic or Pentecostal. That was absolutely out. You would lose. You'd be uh, kicked out, excommunicated. So. Uh, he met, when we were at prayer, he said, listen, I want to just say something. He said, and he got introduced with, through an Afro-American brother. Now, this guy, this group of Baptist folk were so bigoted, very bigoted, racially, racially bigoted, denominationally bigoted. And he said, promise keepers, God used promise keepers to open his heart to different cultures, different colored skin. And softened his heart. And he had the one that God connected him with was a, uh, an Afro-American brother in Georgia. And they, God brought them together. And he was a Pentecostal tongue talker. Hallelujah. And Dave loved him. And they, he loved him. And they, it was just this beautiful relationship and choreography of God. So when we began to pray and as a ministerium, he began to say, he said, look, you guys can pray in the Holy Ghost all you want. I don't feel awkward. 
pray out. Do you do what you know to do and how you know to do it? And I'm going to pray with you. I'll just agree. Are, are you with me? As he was, you know, you know the, there's an old saying in Pentecost, he who hangs around the mud bank eventually slides in. Amen. Well, anyway. <clears throat> All right, next 2.42. So you see, see the evidence here. Look at this. Verse 46. Go to verse 46, Josh. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. We need to kick this up a notch. We need to start fellowshipping more with one another. We need to get to know folks around us that we normally wouldn't interact with, even in the local church. It's not a big deal. One time we had one of the fellows in the church that was the most thrifty guy you could ever meet. And I said to this man, I gave him an assignment. He was an usher. But I mean thrifty. He's got spelt in capital letters. You know. And uh, so I asked him and I said, his name was John. He said, John, I'm giving you an assignment because we really want to encourage people getting together. I want you to put together a meal that you could prepare for somebody coming to your house. Well, he came in and I said, no, I want you to bring it to church. And he did. He brought it to church. He had a pound of pasta, a jar of uh, sauce, and a loaf of Italian bread. He said, Pastor, five bucks. <laughs> brought it and he said, five bucks. And I held it up and I said, church, five bucks. For five bucks, you can have food, fellowship, and praise God together. You can have a meal for five bucks. Oh, but I got to have steak and chicken. For five bucks, what's more important, the food or the fellowship? Amen? Well, glory, just a thought. But I want you to go to John 13 with me. John 13, verse 20. Jesus is preaching here, and I better keep my eye on the phone. Oh, glory. Clock's a ticking. <laughs> John thirteen twenty. Wasn't today just wonderful? To, are you? I don't know about you, but I so enjoy those moments and increments in our assembly where the Lord is creating an environment for us to have that shalom, that peace, that connecting, the enriched connection in our spirit and our soul with him and each other. John thirteen twenty, Jesus said this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. He who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So by default, whoever does not receive who I send does not receive me. Hallelujah.
Now, he's speaking to his disciples here, to the apostles. He's sending them out. It's even applicable in Luke 10 when he sent out the 70. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever does not receive you does not receive me or him who sent me. And part of what God wants to do in the great awakening, it's, it's all based on love, saints. Submission is not, submission to authority is not control, it's protection. I submit to God, the more, let me say it, I just want to say this blatantly and like be really, the more I submit to God out of love, appreciation, and under who he is, with an understanding of who he is. He's God. He is the judge. I will stand before him one day at the throne when judgment has taken place. The lambs on one side and the goats on the other. It's going to happen. I'm not going to have a posse with me to represent me. I'm going to be judged personally. For Now, in Christ, I'll be judged for the works of the Father. I won't be judged for my sins. But those who are goats who never received him and rejected him will be judged for their sin. Are you with me? But I'm going to be called and stand before the Lamb of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords one day to give an account of my stewardship on the earth. Pastor, show me that in a word. I'd be glad to. But I'm not going there right now. Are you with me? Every person on this planet is going to stand before the Lord of all and give an account of their stewardship. Look at Luke 16. You'll see it. There was an unjust steward. And he was called before the master. And he said, give an account of your stewardship. Oh, I, let me, I'm sorry, let me, let me go to a different message. Y'all are blessed. You're all the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You don't want to hear this message that's going to prick you to the heart. Let me give you something that's going to be nice and soft for you. No, I'm going to give you the truth as God has given it to us. Because you know what? You would not be in this house if you were not able to palate it. Amen. We don't need our ears tickled. We need truth. Something that's going to equip us, challenge us, cause us to move into a place of being responsible and maturing. Hallelujah. We need to mature, saints. Everybody needs to. Even the Apostle Paul said, I have yet not arrived. The writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. I haven't arrived yet. Whoa, were you kidding me, Paul, with all you accomplished? No, he's saying, and listen, Paul said this, and it's true for every one of us. The more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. It's not like, whoa, boy, I'm big shot, I'm, you know, boss hog. No, the more I learn, the more I realize how God is so big, and there's a lot I don't know, hallelujah. The more we learn, the more humble we should become, not prideful. 
Hallelujah. So, assuredly, I say to you, he who receives, whoever receives me, receives the one I send, receives me. Now, I'm going to talk about briefly here the first enemy that I put down of intimacy and revelation. Now, this should really, this should be something that you, you want to get some pen out. You want to get some notes out. You want to listen to this. You want to go on the website and listen to this message. Because if there's an enemy of your intimacy, your personal intimacy with God. Come on. If there's an enemy of you walking in a greater revelation and comprehension of who you are because of whose you are. What God wants you to do and how to do it. I would want to know what that enemy is. Amen? Amen? All right. First enemy that God gave me to put down for us in the body. Preoccupation. Preoccupation. Enemy of intimacy and revelation. Preoccupation. Say it with me. Preoccupation. Well, that was lame. Come on, guys. Everybody together. Preoccupation. I'll tell you what it means. The state of being preoccupied. The absorption of the attention or intellect. What you, what is the circumstances, the issues that are absorbing, and that word absorb is almost like pulling you in, requiring your time, requiring and demanding your attention. My attention. Amen? Absorption of the attention or intellect. Something that preoccupies or engrosses the mind. Something that preoccupies or engrosses the mind. Give me your attention. Give me your thoughts. Now, for example, not all of this is dark, but it can be very hostile. Sports activities. They're not bad. Sports activities aren't bad in and of themselves. But do they have first place in our thought? Social media. It's not evil in and of itself, but is it controlling our lives? Is it pulling us in? Is it absorbing us? You all with me? Electronics. Computers. Video games. Are they absorbing our time? Are we finding a place of downloading or a place? We, we may go there sometimes just for entertainment folk, you know, part. And there's, again, it, there can be a place for it, but there's got to be a boundary to it. Where you say thus far and no more. Okay, I got, I'm plugged. But now I need to stay plugged. I defragged. But rather than unplugging, I defragged a little bit. But now I need to kingdomize. Say, you, you are called to kingdomize. The third definition is of preoccupation, an idea that preoccupies the mind and holds the attention. 
Now, I say it this way. Church, when our priorities get mixed up in the hustle and bustle of life, it is because our mind becomes preoccupied with something temporarily important, but not eternally significant. We have responsibilities in life that are important. But they are not eternal. They're not eternally significant. They, are, they have a significant value to it. But if it is controlling us and we're not controlling it, we're out of order. We've lost control. We've lost our stewardship of it. Listen. I'm talking about if you've been, if your heart has been pierced with a broken relationship, God has an answer and way, a path for you to walk through it. If you have unemployment or you have an issue financially, God has something in his word, a path for you to walk out with solutions to it. It may not be overnight, but he has a path that every step you take, every step you take is moving you in the direction of success and victory. It's in Christ. It's not in your head. It's not in our heads. It's not in our reasoning. It's in his wisdom. Amen. So let me go. Let's go to Mark four real quick. And we'll get as far as we get. We'll just look at these verses. Mark four, verse 18. Of course, this is uh, Towards the end of the explanation of the parable of the seed, the sower and the seed. And I'm particularly going here because about preoccupation. And I believe this verse fits like a glove. Verse 18. He said, now these are the ones, the seed that's sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Now, every time we gather, we should be hearing the word in some way, shape, or form. They are those who hear the word and the cares of this world. Number one, the deceitfulness of riches. Number two, thirdly, the desire for other things. Entering in. Do what to the word of God in you or me? If we don't manage these things, they're going to manage us. If we don't manage the cares of this world, it didn't say there wouldn't be cares, but the cares are not to control us. We are to learn how to manage the care. Come on. So pride can hold us back from trying to get information or help to understand how to manage that care. If we don't have a class or we haven't learned how to manage care, care management class, amen. You know, if we don't know how to do something, let's humble ourselves, gain knowledge, and learn how to manage cares. You know, sometimes people who know how to manage cares seem like they really don't care at all. And it's not, I I don't care. I'm just not going to let the care control me. 
I'm preaching better than you guys are. Praise God. I'll get you out of here for your ham in about 10 minutes. Are you listening? Care. You submit to the word of God. And in order for you to submit cares of this world. I need to understand what the word of God says about this care. So I need to gain the knowledge of the word of God to speak and control and direct and guide this care into its proper place. Hallelujah. Listen, I am not saying, oh yeah, Pastor Ray does this all the time. Hallelujah. I've got a phone booth and a cape. Hallelujah. I just put it on every morning. No. I have to make a choice daily to say, all right, Lord, not my will, but your will be done today. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not raise will kingdom. Not raise kingdom. Not raise will. But Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In me and through me. Glory to God. Then we're going to get something done. Remember the quote I, I mentioned about Martin Luther? I have so much to do today. I must pray three hours to accomplish what I need to get done today. Now, how in the world... Do you pray three hours when you've got eight hours of work to do? Get up. Get up. Oh, there's a solution. There's one answer. Get up early, gooberhead. Jesus said, could you not tarry one hour? So if Martin Luther King, in order to be a minister... A family man and everything else had that he saw that that was him. Now we can't copycat or just sugar, you know, just cookie cut or something. But wouldn't it be a good idea to start the day in prayer? You know, God said to me in May of 1990, personally, directly in Africa on the bed meditating. He said, son, you are to be a man of worship, prayer and the word. And that's the way he said to me. And I would have thought that he would have said it totally the back way. You need to be a man of the word. You need to be a man of prayer. And a prayer of man of worship. God said you need to be a man of worship. Prayer and the word. Now let me just present something to you. If you had half an hour to give to God in the morning. And you want to try to develop an attack plan. Hmm. Five minutes of worship. Ten minutes of prayer. If it's building yourself up and you're praying for your family. There's plenty of things you can cover in ten minutes. And then fifteen minutes in the word. Then get in your car and do what you got to do. Get in your house. Whatever. 10, 5, 10, 15. You can take a half an hour and just have these ingredients of worship, prayer, and the word. And how dare the Holy Spirit even encroach on the other time if he would take your five minutes of praise and worship and extend it into another part of the intimate relationship. Then all of a sudden you're going to find out, I got to get up another half an hour. You know, this 5, 10, 15 stuff ain't working. I want 10, 20, 30. Well, thank you for that one clap. 
10, 20, 30. Is it possible? Is it possible for me to have an hour with God before my day starts? Yeah, of course it's possible. Well, glory to God. These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, entering in choke the word. Choke it. And it, the word, becomes unfruitful if we don't steward these areas and learn how to deal with them. The word choke. Want to find out what choke means? (laughs) What does choke mean? Literally, to strangle completely. The second definition in the Greek means to drown. Thirdly, to crowd. All of a sudden, the word that's preeminent becomes strangely dim. Instead of the world's things growing strangely dim in the light of him, he becomes strangely dim. The word and its power to bring forth the fruit of it becomes strangely dim. And our focus is on the cares, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things. Preoccupied. There's so much to do. Pastor, you don't know my schedule. I know this. The Bible says to you and me, redeem the time for the days of evil. In other words, you take the 24-hour time frame of the day and you set up a schedule. I don't like schedules. Learn to like it. Tell yourself you like it. Tell yourself you like it. I love schedules. I love a calendar. I love to put down things. Hallelujah. I love to set my day, at least set an order and course to my day. You know, we always heard this. People who fail to plan, by default, plan to fail. If you don't order your steps, if you don't let God order your step, you know, we have this, oh, we say, rejoice for the steps. Oh, of a righteous man, they are ordered of God. They are ordered of God. Rejoice for the steps. Oh, yeah. Of a righteous man. They're ordered of God if our life is right. I mean, God knows every step we're going to take. He wants you and I to go down this narrow road of blessing, of huge, narrow road of huge blessing and shalom. All hell can be breaking loose. A thousand... Dying on this side, 10,000 on this side, but none of it's touching me because I'm in this place. Hallelujah. The place of divine protection. I'm in the secret place of the Most High. No one can touch me here. No enemy. Matter of fact, while I'm on the straight and narrow and not out here in the broad way of destruction, if I'm in the straight and narrow, He is making a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah. Enemies can be all around. Hallelujah. They're just going to have to sit back and there's a boundary. They can't even come near me. They got to look at God's table being set before me. See me drinking the king's wine, eating the king's food. Where's that, pastor? It's in the straight and narrow. 
It's in the straight and narrow. What does the preoccupation want to do? Pull you and I off the straight and narrow. What's outside the straight and narrow? The cares of this world. What's outside the straight and narrow? Deceitfulness of riches. What's outside of the straight and narrow? Desire for other things. In the straight and narrow, the secret place of the Most High, the Holy Spirit is preeminent in His influence. I'm, if I'm in the straight and narrow, and I'm in His presence, and I'm having an intimate relationship with Him, I'll know how to avoid the minefield of the enemy. Great movie out right now. Uh, no, Levy. Megan Levy. It's about a, a woman Marine who became in the canine unit, and their job was to go out where the, in Iran and Afghanistan, wherever else it was, to go before the army, and the dog knew how to sniff out bombs. And they would mark them. Huh? It was a great flick. Great flick. And I'm thinking, Wow. And the Lord gave this to me regarding someone that had drifted off and opened themselves up to demonic revelation. And it happened to be a minister. And the Lord said, tell him he is in the minefield of the enemy and only my spirit can get him out. We wander at times into an enemy's minefield and we don't know where the mines are buried. You step on the wrong thing, you're a goner. Who wants to die prematurely in here? Let me just share this with you. The Bible that we just, the act we had of communion, the Bible says if you and I take it in an unjust manner, for this reason some are weak, sick, and some die prematurely. Jesse Duplantis is great. Oh, I ain't drinking that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to hell for no wine or juice. <laughs> Why do good people die young? Well, Billy Joel said, only the good die young. I don't receive his report. That's a good reason to be hellish, isn't it? If only the good die young, I will eat, drink, and be married because tomorrow I die. No. I want to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. How about you? Listen, guys, preoccupation. It's up to you to make a decision. You know what? I need to reevaluate my life. And Lord, I'm yours. I am yours. I'm not my own. Forgive me for being in the driver's seat. You know, was it Carrie uh, Underwood said, Jesus, take the wheel or whoever sang it? Jesus, take the wheel. I'm glad to be your co-pilot. Do you ever see a, a, a driver's ed car? Huh? Yeah. The students behind the wheel. But guess who has gas and brakes? That car is designed in a way that the instructor can go. <laughs> By default. <laughs> Dude, you're going to get us killed. <laughs> To strangle complete, completely, to drown or to crowd. 
Please stand. Something that absorbs our attention, our intellect. Yeah. Carol just wrote a little note here. We need to feed our spirit, man. Renew our mind with the word. Amen? Amen. So that it dominates us. A verse that's congruent with that says, A man who has no control of his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So a lot of times when, when our life is out of order, we need to just repent. There's a repentance that needs to get done. Repentance is a great word. It gets us. It's like a decision. Lord, I'm tired of doing it wrong. I, I want to learn how to do it your way. I don't, it don't matter how long. Just close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus. That by your spirit, Lord, that you, you've been speaking to us for a month now about the church and what, what is the church looks like when it's born again and filled with the spirit of God. That there's precious gifts you have provided for us that in the responsibilities of life that are important. But yet in the midst of living our life to accomplish the important that will always be cognizant of the eternal significant things. Lord. You said this past year. That you would. You were going to grace this house. With a. With a gift of comprehension. And I, I'm just reminding myself. And just the church here today. Holy one. Thank you for the gift of comprehension. That we can comprehend. The truth. Of the message. Holy Spirit, that you love us so much that you want us to be so fruitful and successful. And as you said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Meditate on my word day and night that your way might be prosperous and you will have success. We release that over this house. And we take authority, I, I'm taking personal authority or corporate authority, but Lord, that the intentions you have for this house, that the, any preoccupation of the cares of ministry, the deceitfulness of any riches, the desire for things that are not for you, of your choice for us to desire spiritually in this house. Lord, that you will order our step, that you'll grant Grace unto us to have comprehension, the fear of the Lord, a love for your knowledge and fruitfulness as our words and works are communicated daily. In Jesus' precious name, forgive us for our houses being out of order or our lives and order our steps for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a reminder, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we have um, fasting and prayer. So that starts at 7 o'clock here for one hour. That's it. One hour, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. First uh, 